Hello, I'm Sinead. And I'm Brian. Each week we introduce each other to a film that we love. If the other's not equally enamoured, it could mean the end of our 22-year relationship. Warning, there will be spoilers, swearing and undoubtedly arguments. This is Reasons to Dump You. And here we go again. Here we go again. Here we go, go, go. Here we go. Look. (laughs) You weren't quite sure of the next lyrics, were you? (laughs) That's the honest truth. (laughs) That's all right. Don't worry. You're getting to that age now. I know. Which brings me on to my uh, first point. My smashed spine. (laughs) How's your bruised bum feeling? It's not my bum. First of all, let's clarify something. Ain't nothing wrong with my bum. It's it's the those bu- peaches are fine. <laughs> what well, I know, right? Make me creepy. But I will say, my spine gone. So next time we see Sinead carrying a bucket, look inside. There'll be me. Look, brilliant. Look, you have got some lower lumbar. I'm not sure if that's the right word. I like it. Lower lumbar pain. Yep. Around around the coccyx area. Ah, yes. Um, and you're walking like Uncle Albert from I, Only Fools and Horses. I tried to walk a little earlier. I couldn't make it. I turned back. I had to sit down. I nearly cried. Oh, you did look like you I might cry. I was in agony. So, Lambeth Council, do something about your uneven paths, please. <laughs> well, look, don't worry. Through, yeah. through your pain, you get to now watch my choice of film this week. Whoop, whoop. Which will undoubtedly alleviate all your suffering. Well... You know what? I'm looking forward to it. What have we got? Let's have our three clues. Let's do this. Come on, sister. Okay, here goes. Clue number one. Go for it. This film was released in 2020, very recently. By who? And was filmed... In how um, many windows? Excuse me. In what regions? Excuse me. I'm dealing with the clues here. Thank you very much. Sorry. You know, pain will only get you away with so much. Film, sorry, released in 2020 and filmed partially in Scarborough. I thought you were going to say cinema scope. Scarborough. <laughs> or Dolby Surround or Black and White or something like that. No, Scarborough. So filmed in Scarborough. Filmed partially in Scarborough. The town of. Yes. Why would anyone film anything in Scarborough? Hmm, interesting. Clue two, please. Clue two. This was directed by Rose Glass and was her directorial debut. Miss Glass. I love that. A direct de- debut. I like that word. Her dick. Oh, well. <laughs> How rude. Her directorial debut. Correct. Debut. Correct. Debut. Um, nope, don't know. Third clue. Go on then. It was nominated for 17, that's one seven. Go on. Biffa British Independent Film Awards. Ooh. 17 Biffa noms. Now that is a lot. It is. Clearly there was only one other film released that year. <laughs> it's actually actually a very good year. I, I, I can talk it was more. one of the best, I, I remember can, it. I can talk more about uh, awards once we've watched the film. Okay. 2020 Any... was COVID year, right? Yes, it was, Brian. Brave. Brave move releasing this in COVID year. Brave. The well American... done. Whoever released it, brave. Well done. I'll, I'll touch on that in... in... In due course. Okay. Any ideas what this oh, is? Oh, sorry. No, I got <laughs> lost in COVID year. Um, so it was shot in Scarborough, first film, shitload of biffers, <laughs> noms. Did it win any? Um, yes. Okay, good. I don't know. You don't have to tell me how many. No, That's I'm just fine. double checking because... Yes, it did. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, no, no clue at all. <laughs> Nothing. You've got nothing for me. I've got nada. Okay, let's put it out here. We are going to watch... 
Go on. The most excellent. Oh, Bill and Ted's <laughs> bogus journey. Yes, never knew that was shot in Scarborough. 2020, that Brian, must be a re- We are going to watch. Go on. The wonderful. Yeah, I'm waiting. Saint Maud. Saint Maud. Saint Maud. We're going to watch Saint Maud. Strap yourself in. Get your horror head on. Be prepared to be disturbed. One question. Yes. Are there any dead children in it? I can confirm. Spoilers. There are no dead children in this film. Then I shall watch it. Excellent. I wouldn't do that to you. I know that that's your cutoff point. That's the only rule I have. As soon as children are dead, I don't. I mean, this sounds wrong. I don't care if they're killed. <laughs> but if they're actually already dead, walking around communicating, I draw the line. I'm I out. draw the line. It's why I won't sleep overnight in an old haunted, um, <laughs> like, you know, school. Because <laughs> you're getting lots of invitations for that. All the time. I've got that bloody fella from bloody, what you call it, on the phone all the time. <laughs> That's brilliant. Jack, what's his face? Osborne. All the time. Oh, to try and get All you... the time. Phone ringing off the hook. Oh, come and join us. Come over. No, Jack. If Sorry, it... I don't care how much money you throw at me. It ain't happening, love. If it's not Jack Osborne, it's uh, Yvette Fielding. Oh, yeah, no. Well, <laughs> Is that the other one that does the haunted no, house? We've got history, haven't we, me and I? So I don't <laughs> want to talk about that. Let's go watch St. Maud's. Cool, let's do it. Um, I hope you enjoy it as much as I did when I was in the cinema, masked up. I'm masked up? Yeah. What, just to frighten the other people at the cinema? It was COVID, dear. You had to wear Uh, a mask at that point. Sorry, I just thought you meant you were like wearing a mask of like a saint or something. There's nuns and shit in this, isn't there? There's going to be nuns. Just let's go watch. Leave your preconceptions at the door. Wow. We're off to see St. Maud. We will return. God bless you. God bless you, my children. Goodbye, Scarborough. Hello, South London. We're back. We are back. We're back and all watched up. Any initial thoughts on St. Maud before I plunge in? You want to know my initial thoughts? Um, Just just a few words or sentences. Okay. Sentence. Holy fuck. I love this film. Oh, my God. I, I feel... absolutely adore this film well after me introducing you to beast in season one i was yep. slightly nervous that i was going to get another mm. no 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 no. beast is one thing and well done for the people who made it you did a good job and everything i loved it but this this is what you should have aspired to this is this top draw isn't it is phenomenal how excited am i that we're both in agreement absolutely every facet of this film I loved. I must admit, while we were watching it, you were very, very quiet, very, very still, considering you've got your back problem. Smashed spine. And your your silence, your lack of need for the toilet during it, everything was pointing me in good directions, so I'm quite chuffed. Okay, so just to clarify something and clear it up for the listeners here, <laughs> I'm not 83. <laughs> I can do 84 minutes without needing the toilet. Admittedly, I need it straight away afterwards, but I can do 84 minutes. And also, in your defence, you'd had a big coffee and a cup of tea before we started this. I thought you were going to say big poo. <laughs> no, Brian. I don't know why. Let's not take things to that okay. level. Okay, anyway. Well, let me steer this back on course here. Please do. Can I start by giving you a synopsis to St. Maud? Yes. I have gone with Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes. Here we are. The debut film from writer-director Rose Glass... St. Maud is a chilling and boldly original vision of faith, madness and salvation in a fallen world. Maud, a newly devout hospice nurse, becomes obsessed with saving her dying patient's soul. 
but sinister forces and her own sinful past threatened to put an end to her holy calling. I'd go with that. Yeah, I thought that was, there was a one pretty bit good synopsis. That I, uh, the other forces, sinister forces? Um. Well, yeah, I mean, considering this is all psychological... Um, yeah. I mean, the sinister forces of her own mind, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather I think that's than, more appropriate. Yeah, rather than implying that, you know, there's kind of the devil at work. Yeah. Um, well, the devil's in ourselves, so perhaps the devil was at work. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, I went with that synopsis because the one on IMDb was about a sentence long. Why are you wearing rosary beads? <laughs> Why are you flicking water at me, Sinead? Stop it. No, um well. You've given me some good ideas. I now. know, right? Um, yeah, the synopsis on IMDb was like one sentence long, so I went with the Rotten Tomatoes one because it gave you a better sense of the film. Good, good. Okay, so hopefully everybody's already watched this film. Yeah, I would imagine that most people probably already had before we did this. I'm yeah. about the only person left that hadn't. I think you were the only one left that hadn't. But if not, go watch this film um, because there will be spoilers abound. Yes. Don't think you we can don't care what we spoil. We're going to spoil it all. We're going to spoil it all. Even even other films during yeah, this podcast. I don't care. I'll just spoil, I don't know, something really relevant. So there. You think you're cool? No, not really. No. Okay. Um, right. Why did I choose this film? Yeah. What, what do you love about this film? Okay. Well, let me tell you. So as you know, I originally watched this in the cinema on my lonesome. Yeah. With my pandemic mask on. Yeah. Becoming increasingly disturbed in a small cinema in the dark with a smattering of other masked people. Oh dear. It did me it did me no good whatsoever. Um I absolutely loved it. The reason that I brought it to you today is because I was hoping that you were going to love it for these reasons. Go on. Number 1, I love a psychological horror. Snap. Don't get me wrong, you know, I'm there for some jump scares, I'm there for a slasher film, but ultimately nothing beats psychological horror. No, I agree with that. Yeah, 100%. And that is what this film is. I can't believe this film's a 15. I mean, I think the Board of Censors purely chooses ratings now based on the amount of gore or visual depiction of violence that's on the screen. Because for me, this is so bloody disturbing. I'm not entirely convinced 15-year-olds should be watching it. Um, whoa, whoa. Okay, no, go on. No, you can I didn't me. find it that disturbing, but that might say more about me than it says about anything else. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, also, yeah. you know, being raised Catholic, maybe that had more of a, a damning impact on me than not. But that's my first reason. I absolutely love psych- psychological horror. And this film immerses us in Maud's world so brilliantly. I just find it entirely, completely convincing and utterly disturbing. Yeah. Second reason, British seaside. Is there anything bleaker than the British seaside. Now, don't get me wrong, people. Don't get upset, right? The British seaside can be a brilliant place. I'll go on holiday. It's lovely. However, it can also be depicted in an incredibly disturbing, bleak way. Yeah. And I think this film does it brilliantly. You know, there's, there's, there's people there. It's populated, but it's kind of trashy. It's gaudy. It's grey. It's brown. It's, it's just bleak. And I, I think this just does it brilliantly. Um, I think the film for me also had this contemporary feel because it was contemporary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was a contemporary film, but it had an aged feel to it. Yeah, I would go with that. So it was kind of almost kind of decaying in the set design and the whole way the whole thing was presented. So it was all her internal mind, but kind of for us there to see. Um, Morphid Clark. Yes. As uh, St. Maud. I hope we're pronouncing that properly. Uh, hopefully. Any, yeah. any Welsh people let us know. Stunning. 
I mean, her performance was absolutely completely brilliant. And I'm pretty sure she was in every single scene of this film. Can you think of any moment in this film when she wasn't on screen? Well, a couple of bits, but very minor, very small. I don't know, you're going to have to convince me about that. I feel like she was there every single time. Um, Absolutely brilliant performance. Um, And that ending, the double punch ending of, of, I'm sure we'll mention it in a bit, you know, that and that, the beach and the scene before. Sinead, just say it. Amazing. Spoil it. Um, When she goes back to her patients that that she's been let go from and visualizes her becoming this demonic creature that attacks her yeah. and and basically stabs her to death and then heads to the beach and burns herself like a martyr what i honestly i think i sat in the cinema for the entirety of the rolling credits just stunned not quite sure what to do with myself yeah 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 and i love the flash of the monster after you sort of see it where how she sees it yeah where everyone falls to their knees and prays to her and mm. you see the actuality as a flash yeah of her actually burning rather yeah. than, yeah, the angelic wings and yeah, yeah, yeah. looking like everyone's, yeah, fallen to, to sort of proclaim her. Stunning. I mean, is there anything wrong with this film? I don't think so. Nope. So that's it. Well, that's so- it, everyone. Thank you very much. No, I agree. I completely agree. I think one thing you left out, though, mm. music and soundscape. Aha. The yes. music. I don't know if um, you were sort of saw that at the time. I don't even know if the two films came out around the same time. I don't know. The music in this is so like the Joker. Okay. In terms of the big like... Yeah. Kind of drones and that kind of getting in your head psychological thing. The soundscape and that was so well done. Well, when I was doing a little bit of research, I was reading an article um, that was an interview with the composer. And he was saying that the director said she wanted the sound to be like a warm bath. Okay. Uh, For me, that actually kind of makes a lot of sense. You know, that kind of almost kind of echoey internal feeling you get when you're in a bath or when you're in in a a bathroom and Mm -hmm. you're kind of enclosed or the water's covered your ears. I feel, hey, she gave him a brief and he nailed it. Well, it was bloody unnerving, whatever it was. <laughs> Shall I give you some stats about the film? Um, yeah, go for it. Just, you know, you can, just a couple, you can just tell a me what you loved. But, so it premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival. Not surprised. Um, it had a box office of 1.4 million. Wow, how much did it cost to make there? I couldn't find that. Mm. I mm. think it might have been a little bit more, but mm. hey-ho. Yeah. Box office is not bad, you know, you've got all these other... Yeah, exactly, that. exactly, that was just box office. Um, and then in terms of... So I told you at the beginning that it was nominated for 17 Sorry, Biffers. I've just realised that was during COVID as well. Yeah. That's a really good number for COVID numbers. Yeah, exactly. Well, it was um, delayed in the States. Ah, um, okay. So it, I think it was due to be released in April and they held it back a bit. But yeah, it was well. still during the pandemic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so in terms of nominations, um, it got two BAFTA nominations um, yeah. at the 74th BAFTAs. So it was nominated for Outstanding British Film, Yeah. Um, which eventually went to Promising Young Woman and Outstanding Debut from a British Writer, Director, Producer... Um, and that went to Remy Weeks for a film called His House, okay. which I'd never heard of. Yeah. Um, but it looks pretty cool, so I think we need to watch it. Okay. Um, it also. Yeah. Go on. Uh, also at BAFTA Wales, um, Morphe Clark won for Best Actress. Quite right. And then the, as I said, seventeen awards at the Biffers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it won Best Cinematography. 
Yeah. And the Douglas Hickox Award for Debut Director for Rose Glass. So she clawed it back from uh, from old Remy Weeks there at the BAFTAs. Good. Because he was nominated Good. as well, but she got it back there. So, you know what? So much to love. It's an audience pleaser. It's a, it's a festival pleaser. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, it's... It's an incredible film and it, it makes it hard to kind of talk about in a way because it's so well done. Well, you feel stupid talking about it, don't you? Well, because in it's a way. kind of like it's it's just so good. Yeah, I mean the main actress, Morphid, yeah, which you mentioned. I mean that girl. Wow. Oh my god. Wow. Yeah. I what think she a performance. A what a look. I mean, like she was perfect she looked like she should have been a nun yeah without obviously being one but she was perfect she was absolutely perfect one striking mm. but still plain as fuck Mm. and her eyes every Mm. time they shot her Mm. eyes it was like they were completely black Mm. like there was no color in them Mm. at all so creepy Mm. and she and you could see this sort of deterioration of her sort of throughout the film as well couldn't you yeah um one thing that i thought watching it for a second time and i hadn't i didn't think of this sort of during my cinema trip, um, I was getting a lot of Carrie White vibes from yeah. her, um, particularly kind of towards the end and when she'd killed Jennifer Ely's yeah, character and she was blood, covered yeah. in blood and kind of walking out. Um, and I think Morphe Clark actually does bear some similarities to Sissy Spacek. She does, she does. But I just, I just thought her performance overall, even the bit where she went out to get drunk, Oh, God. It was, Drinking pints. Nice, yeah. nice touch. I mean, it was so strong. I mean, obviously, it's the writing as well, but the performance was so strong. I genuinely felt so sorry for her. Mm. I just wanted to help her. The The moment that she's, as you say, in the pub on her own, looking, yeah. and the table next to her of four, you know, oh, attractive-looking, mm. nice people that are laughing, yeah. and she, she starts laughing you know to try and join to, in to try yeah. and join in and become a part of them and yet yeah, they just freeze her out of it absolutely heartbreaking yeah. and such low self-esteem she's given hand jobs in corridors oh. and oh and then she phones that girl and says yeah i'd love to chat and says the wrong thing and you know yeah she's in that case she can't afford to be around her but at the same time oh my god your heart went out to her she was so lonely yeah exactly and it is and it's just a sad lonely existence um, and it's completely and utterly heartbreaking, uh, but fascinating at the same time. Yeah. That somebody oh, yeah. that somebody can kind of have this mental breakdown to the point where they're they're believing in these physical manifestations as well. So she's having these what I think the director writer director referred to as um, godgasms. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, and she's having, and we're seeing as the viewer, yeah. her having these, you know, beyond spiritual, these physical moments of God entering her, if that doesn't sound too crude. Yeah. Um, and it's absolutely stunning stunning, and frightening at the same time. When she's in her bed set um, towards the end of the film and yeah. she levitates, or we see her levitating, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just like... The, the fear that your mind could convince you that something like that is happening. Well, yeah, I mean, she just had a conversation with the wall in Welsh. <laughs> so, like, you know. I mean, that wasn't with the wall, Brian. That was with God. But, okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know. And by the way, well done, Wales. Well done. Because God is Welsh. 
<laughs> that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty sweet. I mean, we all knew that anyway, didn't we? That's pretty <laughs> sweet. That is a haiku there. So Rose, was that her name? Rose Glass? Rose Glass, yeah. Smashed it, love. Smashed it. If you're not Welsh, <laughs> I mean, all the more power to you, but I believe you probably are. And well done, because God is officially Welsh. Um, and he speaks Welsh, which is going to be a problem for me when I get up there. So everyone learn Welsh. Okay, you know you're not going up there, Yeah, right? I'm going down. Yeah, you're going down. Um, also, this thing of this kind of duality between pain and pleasure and the fact that, you know, throughout the film, she's she's harming herself yep. in order to feel pain, which in some sort of subversive way then gives her pleasure. Well, it brings her back to earth. It grounds her, doesn't it, in oh, her head. God. I'm sorry, Brian, you know my feeling on standing on things. Oh. It's normally glass for me. But she puts drawing pins in her shoes yeah. and then puts the shoes on. I mean, I it, it nearly made me want to throw up. Yeah, no, I know. You, you're a little bit over the top on that one. But I, I can't handle that thought. I can't handle the thought of something sticking was, in the in the bottom of my foot. Yeah, I mean, and I'm, I'm going to say this brings me on to because it's part of like hair and makeup and costume and everything. The production design on this, the mm. whole team, Rose, however you guided them, every single one smashed it out of the park. The colours in the house, the house was kind of like psycho house, even mm. though it was modern. The patterns, the light, the just the furniture, you know, um, the clothes she was, even the nurse's outfit with the weird little ECB logo, mm. looked so corporate. Um you know, where she lived, her cell, basically, her nun's cell, which was her flat. Yeah. I mean, it was basically that you would imagine seeing that in a convent. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. It was It was absolutely tiny. And from the very beginning, everything was very claustrophobic. Yeah. She was living in this tiny little one room. Yeah. Um, and she came out into a tiny corridor. And even when she came out of the building, it was an, yeah, it was like a narrow thing. alleyway yeah. that she kind of had to go down. Um, Stunning. And a choice of Scarborough. Yeah. I mean, like, I know from a production point of view, and this is very bland, but yes, it makes sense to shoot in Scarborough. It's going to be cheaper. Mm. They're going to be a lot more helpful, I would mm. imagine, than other places. But wow. I think all, the, all those lights along the seafront, yeah. though, and the kind of the slot machines and everything. Oh, it just, my God. Wow. That's what I mean about this kind of, like, British yeah. bleak. And the cafe where she sits having food mm. and the pub and everything. And there is a real harshness to British life. Mm. It just summed it up beautifully. It was so good, the production design. The hair, the makeup, the choice of shots. I mean, the cinematographer, brilliant. The choice of shots, their quirky angles, the really, really shallow um, field of... Oh, bloody hell. Depth of field. Yeah, really shallow depth of Mm. field. The really odd close-ups, the slightly sort of... um, vignetted edges to the shots. Vignetted edges. I know. You had the shots where it looks like, you know, you're spying on it. You have the staircase shots from up above, which were really creepy. Very unsettling. Um, yeah, you, you all these weird angles and lots and lots and lots of close-ups. And, oh, it was just absolutely brilliant. One question I have for you. Do go on. Um, what do you make of the water sort of that kept cropping up, namely going down plug holes? Oh, right. Because, again, this wasn't something that I noticed in the cinema, but... There was a lot of water going down plug holes or blood going down plug yeah. holes. So that's that kind of God thing, isn't it? Hitchcock does it. Mm. And I know recently someone informed me that uh, Guillermo del Toro does it. But there oh. were circular windows. Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw the And this windows. plug hole is that yeah. all-seeing eye. eye. 
And the water spinning, swirling down it was the same in Hitchcock's Psycho. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, is yeah. That, the, the circle is the, the all-seeing scene. eye. Yeah. And the water, I assume, going down it is getting sucked into this all-seeing eye. That's my view. Um, I could be wrong. Well, thinking about the shower scene in Psycho, yeah, I mean, that's when Marion Crane dies. So it's like yeah, yeah. the life, you know, yeah. life is is being sucked out of. Yeah, and the circle is that representation of being watched. Yeah. And if you think about it, all the stuff she was cutting out, you know, Obviously, Jesus on the cross, yeah. watching her. Then she was cutting out all the images. And most images were looking at you, yeah. watching you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was all that kind of thing. It was all very creepy and unnerving. And it just put you on edge for the entire film. But that that's what my thoughts were yeah, yeah, with yeah. that. And a lot, most of the time, it had blood in it as well. So, you know, that was kind of an added kind of thing of this life getting sucked down yeah, exactly. In, getting sucked into this thing. Vortex, that's That'll a good do. word. Let's go with, word we'll go with the word vortex. Um, another scene that I loved yeah. was when Maud confronts Carol, who is um, Amanda's lover. So Amanda is her patient yeah. that she has come to look after palliatively because she's dying from cancer. Quick question, who played Amanda? She looked really familiar. You don't know who played Amanda? Well, she looked a little bit... It was Jennifer Ely. Jennifer Ely, Jennifer Ely, where do I know? She was in Pride and Prejudice. She's got like, she's been in absolutely. She looks quite Meryl Streepy. She does. She she does. She particularly looked quite Meryl Streepy in this film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, and I love the fact they said you're going very Norma Desmond because I thought that's great because she actually is very Norma Desmond. Exactly, exactly. She's in kind of almost this yeah old Gothic mansion, sitting up on the sitting up on the hill. Um, I also like the fact that. um, Sorry, I'll come back to what I was going to say about. Carol and Maud in a minute yeah, but um, I also like the fact when she gets visited by one of her friends from London yeah. he says to her why the hell are you why the hell are you out here come back to London you know get on with your life why the hell have you come out here because it, it, it is a bit strange that this you know world renowned dancer rich yeah. you know socialite lady has moved out to a house in Scarborough like why um, but she's obviously wanting to retreat from her world because she's, you think she's about dying that, the size of house she's in in Scarborough mm. here she could have a one bed flat in kind of tooting that is true do you know what I mean that is true well maybe even Balan. Well, <laughs> no, um, no. So one of the scenes that I loved—I mean, I loved all of it. Let's face it. But one of the scenes I particularly loved was when Maud confronts Carol. So her her lover slash prostitute—not quite sure. Oh yeah, I think yeah. I, I, think I prostitute. Well, I won't go so far as to say prostitute. I'll just say lover that is kind of being kept a little bit. So yeah. she's being given yeah. a bit of cash. She's now kind and of sugar mummy. Sugar mummy. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Maybe Amanda's her sugar mummy. Um and Maud feels that this is, you know, tainting her soul. She she's there to save her and yeah. this relationship is basically condemning her. Um and it's not it's gonna get in the way of her saving her. So she says to Carol in the kitchen, like, you know, you, you need to you need to leave. You need to not see her again and you need to not be a part of her life. And the way that she does it, she starts off almost apologetically, just, you know, trying to very kindly say, you know, I'm doing this for her best interests. Yeah. And then she sort of snaps and gets quite sparky with her. And then when when Carol goes, okay, fine, and, and goes to move, she's like, well, where do you think you're going? And she said, well, I'm going to leave. And she's like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And it's just this brilliant, almost comedic moment. Um, and she's able to kind of switch between her attitudes and her... It's almost this timid person that's built themselves up to confront somebody 
Yeah. Um, and then it all crumbles away again quite quickly. Yeah, and talking to that scene, I, I love the fact in it she did that passive-aggressive thing that we've all witnessed whenever we get frustrated in somewhere like Argos or <laughs> on the train. <laughs> Well, you make a complaint and someone goes, I haven't sworn at you. Oh, yeah. I don't know why you're getting upset. Yeah. I've been re- respectful to I've you. I've been very polite to you. And it's like, oh, my yeah. God, I would much rather you lost your shit and just <laughs> called me a fucking prick and didn't serve me than sitting there. I've been very polite to you, sir. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I thought she did that brilliantly yeah. because it's really passive aggressive. Yeah, yeah. It's really kind of condescending. Mm. Um, I also love the fact that Amanda, the main woman, Yes, her yeah. patient, yeah. I love the fact that she's a lesbian. Yeah. I, I mean, because obviously, you know, the whole fallen thing. Yeah. And then, you know, when they say about how Maud is either like a bigot, they didn't know whether she was yeah, a, bigot she a bigot or, or whatever. And then, yeah. they, then they did exactly what they didn't want to do and made fun of her yeah. and dressed her up. And that was because of her, you know, beliefs and stuff. Yeah. It was really yeah. cleverly played mm. um, that, you know, everyone can be nasty and mm. everyone can be kind of unwittingly adding to her own psychosis mm. Mm. and her mm. own issues mm. you know because no one meant any harm by it they were just a bunch of drunk dickheads and it was probably finished as quick as they started in their heads but it felt but to her it was vicious and violent and yeah i mean it was it was unbelievable and then obviously to break into someone's space so the thing i've never understood you know when people are like Bully away, whatever, call people names, whatever, you know. I mean, don't. That's, no, but, we don't advocate that. Okay, yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> you might want to rephrase that, Brian. But what I mean is, is when that becomes the physical thing, like yeah. as soon as they grab the hanky and put it on her head yeah. and put the ribbon around it to try and make her look like a nun. Yeah. To me, then, you breach something additional. Yeah. You know, you hear that phrase, I'm sticks and stones that break my bones. Yeah. And, and to an extent, I agree with that. I mean, I don't because... Yeah. It's horrendous. Yeah, that's vicious. But, but as soon as it becomes a physical thing, yeah. then you've not only had a go at them mentally, you've broken into their physical world. Yeah. And you uh, it was just really well done. Really well done. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> Sinead, I think maybe on that note, have you got time for an official... Nerd alert! Is this my time to shine? Polish my badge? Okay, Brian, here are some facts about St Maud that I managed to uncover for us here today. Go for it. Would you like to know the tagline of the film? I would. Your saviour is coming. Nice. Love it. Um, So apparently, originally, Rose Glass wrote and directed this. And originally in the script, there was more of a religious upbringing backstory, which actually Rose ended up cutting. And the final draft um, sort of took all of that away. And I think actually in the film, I noticed that she said that, oh, this is a recent conversion. This is a a new thing for her. So obviously all that backstory, I think actually she felt it had gone a bit carry. um, And so all that was kind of cut. and, And we ended up with what we have now, which I think makes it a stronger story. Um, Mark Commode um, put this in the 10 best films of 2020 and called it an electrifying debut. Agreed, Mark. I love Well me. done, Mr. Commode. I love me a bit of Mark Commode, so I completely um, I'm on board with him then. Um, you talked about Morphe Clark's eyes earlier and about how they were kind of black and yep. almost soulless. Did you notice at any point that um, they were different colours? No. Okay, so um, she wore contact lenses. Not ten to, years old. <laughs> she wore contact lenses to give the effect of having two different coloured eyes. Um, 
And I think that only happens towards the end of the film. The scene after she's completely kind of, she's gone out and she's got drunk and she's broken herself and rebuilt herself. She's walking along and we we get a close-up of her okay. and her eyes were different colours. Nice. Um, God's voice, you pointed out, was Welsh. Yes. So that's actually Morphid Clark's voice. Well done, Morphid. I mean, what an actress. <laughs> you wouldn't think that was a lady's voice. Obviously, they altered the pitch of it. Um, and... That was inserted into the film as kind of God's voice. I've told you it was shot in Scarborough, also sh- also shot in London, apparently in Highgate. Distributed by A24 Films. Yes, I'm not surprised. Come on now, we love a bit of A24. We do, big but fans. What have they given us? They've given us everything, everywhere, all at once. They've given us Men. Yeah, okay. Odd. If, any, if anyone hasn't seen Men, go and check it out. Yeah, check very it out. Odd, very odd, very odd. what you think when you watch it as well. Uh, Uncut Gems. Yeah, Another one I was a bit question marky over, but you know. Yeah, but still a great film. Oh, great film. Midsummer, Hereditary, Moonlight, The Lobster. A24 are me. smashing it out Guys, of the park. Guys, you are annihilating it, not just smashing it. One final thing, Brian. Yes. The cockroach. Yeah. Credited as Nancy. Nice. Thank you very much. So I think um, after that amazing nerd alert, let me talk a little bit about religion. Ah, let's. You're coming from a non-religious background. Well, no. I come from a somewhat religious background. I I just think, I just thought this film was, like, they used the phrase, you know, she used it to save a soul. Maud was wanting yeah, to save to a soul. Save yeah, save a soul was uh, yeah. a calling, right? Yeah. And I just thought, the first thing I wrote was, religious zealots petrify me. Mm. And it's not because of what they believe, it's how Firmly, they believe mm. it. You cannot break the belief of someone truly religious. Like, and I'm, I'm, I don't sit and try. I don't go and meet people <laughs> and try and break their faith. I'm not, I, I don't found one, Sinead. This one I'm going to break. But it's that unquestioned faith that I find petrifying. It's that they yeah. don't want to hear anything else. It's And also, more importantly, they feel that everybody else is wrong and they have to correct them and save them. Yeah. And that's what I thought this did really well. Mm. And I thought the reference to William Blake, and FYI, I am going to spank re- William Blake's references. Oh, there nice. Is. No, I'm going to absolutely annihilate those because I want to know more about his art. Mm. Phenomenal. I thought it really helped. It was a small part of the film, mm. but I think it really helped show what Rose Glass's um views probably are mm. which is there's absolutely nothing wrong with religion mm. you know it gives a lot of people a lot of solace it gives a lot of people a lot of hope when they've got really shitty lives but when people are a little bit not broken that's a hard word challenged mm. my god it's a dangerous thing uh, yeah it- and my god and like he's like the the quotation they use from William Blake, which is which she reads it out, you know, that religion is just a a, a twisting of of true faith. Or, organized religion. Yeah. Or, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Organized religion, not. Religion yeah. Is it? General. Yeah. It's kind of a perversion of true yeah, faith. Yeah. And I yeah. just thought, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. You you can see it everywhere. You mm. know, there's a lot of recent history with it. Whatever religion you're talking about, and it's just like, wow, I found this really scary. Because even at the end, where she does set fire to herself, yeah. for her, she can see the wings on her back. As soon as she stabbed yeah. the woman, she can see the wings on her back. Yeah. And to her, 
everyone went to stop her setting fire to herself. As soon as she did, all they saw was a beam of light and they dropped to their knees. Yeah. And then you get that flash of the actual truth is she's just on fire. Yeah. She's just a kid on fire. Yeah. And like, even when Amanda's having a go at her, yeah, she's being nasty. But in her head, she sees the devil. Yeah. Like, oh, it was just crazy shit. Rose, you're a legend. And you've got a brilliant name. Rose Glass. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what sort of name is that? That's phenomenal. What did I get? Brian. And you get Rose Glass. That's amazing. I completely agree with you, though, about what you've just said. Um, the fact of the matter is people that have taken things to that level can't afford to have it questioned. Yeah. You know, they won't allow themselves to be questioned because if they do, then their whole existence falls apart. Yeah, exactly. When it becomes more than just who they are, it's what they are, it's everything. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other scene that I wanted to mention that I particularly loved was um, when Maud has been fired from looking after Amanda yeah. because they have fallen, have out. fallen out and she slapped her across the face. Um, and she goes and she sits watching the sea and there's the new carer, the oh, new yeah. nurse that's sitting having her lunch. Yeah. Um, the way that the way that, that plays out, I think, is brilliant as well. I get that sort of nutcase all the time. <laughs> I'm just trying to chill. And they say, and you know when they stand near you, oh, no, yeah. they're going to say something. They're telling, to lovely day or something, <laughs> isn't it? And you're like, oh bollocks and you're like yes it is trying to be polite and then when she said like do you mind if i sit i thought oh no done brilliantly yeah exactly so she sits and she and she starts chatting to her and she starts you know sort of like pulling information and even even down to the fact that this this new nurse um obviously seemed like a very nice lady lovely lady presumably very good at her job actually balanced exactly has has a sense of detachment from it so she's not going to be completely um kind of pulled into it but you can you can kind of sense maud's dissatisfaction I'll say kind yeah, of brewing yeah. and and her distaste and her dislike for this woman and when the woman finishes her sandwich something very simple but she just scrunches up the foil and drops it on the floor oh yeah and it, it's it's like a really slight moment I'm not sure you even see it I think no, you, you might just hear it, hear it. it yeah. um but there's just this sort of flicker in in Maud's eyes where it's just kind of like yeah yeah that's the sort of person you know it's it's like that justifies everything that's kind of going on in Maud's head. Yeah. And then she sort of, yeah, well, it doesn't introduce herself and gets up and kind of walks away. Well, beautifully ended. Yeah. Because she goes, oh, and what's your name? Yeah. You? And, she, and just she just gets goes. up and walks off. Yeah. It's just so well done. I know. Absolutely amazing. And also part of production design, did you notice that every time she's out and about, apart from at the end when she's wearing her sheet and she thinks she's Moses or something. she's Well, she's a saint by that point, isn't she, Sorry, Brian? forgot. Yeah. She wears that puffer jacket. Yes. It's like this big protective yeah. jacket against the world. Yeah. It's just such good production And design. she's such, such a slight, small person as well. Yeah. It kind of engulfs her, doesn't but it? But even like everything about it is so good. Like she's really organised, really clean and tidy. But also it's really sparse. And also though, like her vest top and her pants never match. It's small thing. I mean, who's do? That they only ever match in, you know, sexy Hollywood films. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. Most of us ladies can't be asked with that. They never ever match. Even when she went out. Like she took off her jacket and she had this horrible gaudy plunge top. That, oh yeah. You know, like, it's kind of sparkly. Yeah, the, the the neckline goes down to the waist mm. and she's sitting there drinking a pint, like in a quite an aggressive manner, but mm. she's still very attractive. Mm, mm. And I actually thought to myself, Oh my god, I'd be the idiot that would Go over to her. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, all right, all right. Not realising you're signing your own damn death warrant as you do it, thinking you're Mr. Smooth. Oh, 
Okay. But like, oh dear, she's writing. Well, I'm just making a note of that, Brian. But like, it was just, it's just so well done. It's so well done. Even that burger joint, the reds and the yellows, and all the way through it, the use of greens and like, you know, reds and browns. Yeah, the colours were amazing. It's just stunning. Even in the house, there's patterns on everything, on the floor, on the walls, on everything. It's just that pattern of life everywhere. Beautifully done. I've said it before, Rose. Great name. You did a great job. (laughs) Brilliant. I'm going to be honest, Sinead. This film put my faith back in independent British. Oh, wow. It really has. Who knew knew that today was going to go like this? It really has. I genuinely was not expecting this much enthusiasm for this film. No, I just think it's so well done. Well, I... I agree. I brought it to the table, but you don't always agree with me. It's just a, it's just that. That's the difference. That's the difference. What's the difference? The, the sheer talent of the filmmakers. Like everyone they pulled together had a, just such a vested interest in the film. Everybody believed in this story. Mm. Everybody pulled together and to make it happen. And I bet it wasn't easy. And it's just, yeah, great product, great end product. Yeah, well, that's it. I think you can kind of get the sense when everything comes together. Yeah. I think that's kind of that magical thing where everything gels together. And and I think that's what happened in this this film. Nothing felt like a misstep. It all felt kind of perfectly constructed. You know, even from the sense that you begin the story incredibly quickly and you're immediately in Maud's world because we have her voiceover at the beginning kind of leading us through. And, you know... Voiceovers have been used a lot. Some, yeah, some people don't like them. I personally quite like them. And I think when they work as well as this, I think they're absolutely amazing. Well, the voiceover was good because she was having a conversation with God. She mm. wasn't talking to us. Mm. She was chatting to God like it was her mate. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And uh, it was just... I mean, he's he's all our mates, Brian. That's, <laughs> that's all you need. Hallelujah. But, the, you know, but religion is such a great theme for a horror film. Oh, God, yeah. You know, because it is such a provocative one. Yeah. And there are so many sort of interpretations that you can kind of make of it. And, yeah, for me, um, along with The Exorcist, which for me is also, um, you know, one of the great religious horror yeah. films. Um, I mean, this is top five, isn't it? This, this is, is right This is top there. five, yeah, it Brian. it really is. It really is. Well, with that in mind... Let's do some scores. How many VHS tapes are you giving the glorious St. Maud? So I am going to give St. Maud a glorious four and a half VHS tapes. And the only reason it doesn't get a five, because I really believe this is pretty close to perfect. Mm -hmm. Right at the very beginning, there are a couple of moments. And I really liked the character who um, I love the nurse she met when she first went to Rachel's. Amanda's, sorry. The nurse. Oh, the, the nurse was that was leaving, the one, the one she was, And she yeah. said, oh, what's she like? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. And she, she no, called... she went, how is she or something? She went, oh, bit cuntish. Yeah. I thought that was brilliant. Well, again, though, like straight to the point, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, perfect. We know that now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, there was the other nurse she met a bit later who was, you know, the one who knew her real identity. Whatever that was. Oh, so the nurse that she'd worked with before, I think her name was Joy. Yeah, and I really liked the character, but yeah. there were moments her acting wasn't brilliant. Are you kidding me? I thought she was great. Because mm. how do you come in and give an incredibly down-to-earth, real performance next to somebody who is lost them who has lost their mind? Yeah. How did... do you come across as normal next to that character? She did a great job. 
Okay. No, go on. What? What? No, what, just what? To, I, I agree. In the final scene, she did a great job. Mm-hmm. But the very beginning, I, I just oh hello, oh how are you? It was just all a little bit forced. I thought. However, mm-hmm. doesn't mean squat. Loved everything else. Yeah. Four and a half. You know, get your head round that. Four and a half. Right, I'm going to get my head around that's that. That's the same score as Bloodsport. Oh. Jesus, that's right up there. Did you really give Bloodsport four and a half? Yeah, I did. Brian, do you want to re-address that now? Nope. What's your score? My score for St. Maud, I'm going full out five. Fucking I'm going full out hell. five for this because I genuinely, genuinely cannot fault it. Fair Personally, blame. I cannot fault it. I think I enjoyed it even more watching it this time. Yeah. And maybe that's because it's the intimacy of your uh, front room rather than a yeah, yeah. pandemic-ridden cinema with strange people all sitting around you. You're not quite sure what, what might kick off. Um, it, it's it's five. I loved it. I can't wait for Rose Glass's next film. I'm going to look out for everything Morphe Clark is in. 100%. Um, I love me a bit of psychological religious horror. And this is yeah it's absolutely brilliant as Um, i've heard a lot of people saying lately chef's kiss oh so you said chest kiss i thought a bit weird um no absolutely brilliant i recommend it anyone who's listening if you're thinking wow they're really waxing on about this seriously check it out it's on amazon prime if you're one of those seven trillion people that has that because you forgot you've got it and you get free (laughs) yeah you haven't cancelled it yeah you can watch this for free it's brilliant and you know all the money will go to rose glass who deserves it I actually doubt she gets very, very much. <laughs> yeah. But you know what it's I mean. It's probably going to film for yeah. A24. Um, right. Reasons to dump me. Now, come on. Yes. Good luck. Yes. Crack on. Well, when we began, I thought, this is it. This is going to, you're going to get a clean sweep this week. There is going to be no reasons. However. I breathed in. Like the reliable chap you are, you rounded us out, giving me two reasons to dump you this week. Two, two reasons i bet one of them is me saying i would be the one who goes up to the girl exactly if you know that then why don't you alter your behavior so reason (laughs) i didn't mean now reason number one no no no. it's not about whether or not you cheat on me oh okay that i can that that is neither here nor there that i could handle um that's good to know what i didn't like about the way that you uh proffered it was the Mr. Smooth, yeah, all, all right, I'll go over there, right. like your Del Boy or something. I prefer to think of me more as, you know, in St. Trinian's. George Cole. George I mean, Cole even, even worse, you want to be the pervy old man that's scouting around a girl's school. I mean, see what I mean? That's not really what I meant, but <laughs> well, okay, let's go with it. What was number two? Um, and my second reason... Um, is just at the end that you I mean you would have just ended up with one, but you decided to get all nitpicky okay. and tell me that you felt that the scene where Joy, her friend, comes to yep. um say hi as they're walking down the street was forced. So, I disagree. I think the actress that played Joy did a very good job. I just said she did. And you're a fool. So basically what we're saying is um because in my day I was a Royster Doyster <laughs> and because of the fact I have my own mind and give your film a perfect score, you've used those two reasons to dump me. So history that you don't know anything about, that I shared with you in an open and loving and caring way, and the fact I don't agree with you. No, I would uh, succinctly say, don't be a perv, and and don't be so nitpicky. Cool. On that note, um, that was reasons to dump you. 
that was reasons to dump you. I've been Sinead. He's been Brian. Thank you for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed, please do subscribe and go tell your friends. Uh, and you can find us, find us, find us, find us on the Instagram. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> I got stuck there like yeah. a record. You can find us on Instagram at reasons underscore pod. And um, don't forget, as always, we are always hanging around the bars in London town. So if you see us, buy us a drink and uh, tell us how great we are. Because we're broke. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.